Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Money, money, money. Must be funny on the UK Tech Weekly Podcast, the UK's premier audio store selling audio bargains every Friday. The UK Tech Weekly Podcast is an infotainment offer from the editors of PC Advisor, Tech World, Mac World UK and Computer World UK. You can find us on Acast, on SoundCloud, on iTunes and more. Every Friday we head to an audio supermarket piling high audio bargains and persuading people to part with audio cash to secure audio buy one get one freeze at an audio checkout in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. Don't forget to subscribe, review and tell your friends. I'm Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK, and today I am delighted to be joined in conversation by the bringer of life with wit like a knife, Scott Carey, online editor of techworld.com. Hi. The Speaker of Truths and Leader of Youths, Tamlin McGee, online editor of ComputerWorldUK.com. Hello. And the Spreader of Dread with the Lustrous Locks of Red, David Price, <laughs> acting editor of Macworld UK. It's a theme developer. <laughs> this week we are talking Black Friday, Facebook and the fall statement. Be thankful, listener. Black Friday. Wow, wow, wow. It's the one, the one with the Midas touch. You're so butch. David Price. <laughs> Everyone's off down the shops. Why? Because of the bonkers bargains. Black Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to get my timings right. We come out on the Friday, don't we? So today... We come um, out on uh, Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, today, uh, hopefully you're all listening to this rather than going down the shops. But um, Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving in the US which was yesterday, the 24th, Thursday the 24th of November. Uh, and on Black Friday, traditionally, that's the start of the shopping season in America. So uh, all the American stores have started doing amazing sale deals, um, starting on that day and then proceeding over the weekend. And in the last few years, it has become a huge, huge um, online sale occasion. And it has spread to Britain. So that's an interesting point to start off with, really, is when did it become a thing? Because I think we noticed through our consumer websites, I would say in 2013, that actual humans in the UK seem to be interested in Black Friday. Yeah, it's about that. But I think I would say three or four years it's been moderately big in uh, in Britain. And it was really last year was the really big one. Last year it went over a billion pounds um, in the UK for the first time. Which is like, I mean, that's like, that's like a billion dollars, right? 
Right. That's very droll. Um, and I think more than three billion across the extended weekend because the Monday after Black Friday is called Cyber Monday, uh, which is also going to see some more deals, some special deals that you might want to partake in uh, on Monday. And this is principally driven in the UK, at least by Amazon. Would that be fair to say? Amazon are the biggest, um, but Curry's and uh, this year, actually, Apple um are getting into the black friday deal uh jamboree which um, they've done in the past but not for the past sort of three four years in in the uk yeah in, they they do it in america uh, fairly regularly but uh, the last time they did a black friday sale in this country was in 2013 so they basically haven't been part of it when it's been big in britain so and, why do the stores do this uh well people are <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's the typical thing of why do people do sales, but it's because people are going to be shopping around this time. There are going to be a lot of people shopping, so they need to compete with each other to get people through their doors or, or onto their website. Um, but it's sort of it, the timing of it is perfect. People have just um, they've just had Thanksgiving. They've um, <laughs> they've been stuck in a house with their relatives for a day, uh, and they want to get out of the house, and they need to do their Christmas shopping, um, and it all sort of falls neatly. And it, and it used to happen this time of year anyway, before the, you know, before the internet even. Mm. They, they say that it became called Black Friday possibly because, um, well, it might be partly because that's when the stores go into the black. That's when they start making profit for the year. Uh, but it could even be because of the streets being black with traffic uh, cars because everyone's out shopping. Uh, I call yeah. bullshit on that particular thing. Yeah, well, I'm it's a sure fake analogy. It sounds it's ominous, like, like a massacre or something <laughs> to me. <laughs> but isn't that, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's I mean, kind of... All the other black name of days are bad, aren't they? Black and those those are the videos we used to get on Mail Online, wasn't it? Of people like fighting each other in Asda over a TV. Yeah, it does um, get pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of our colleagues sent me a website uh, called Black Friday Death Count. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, but the funny thing about this, I mean, not very funny, but um, <laughs> the odd thing about this is it. I to me, I was thinking it would be loads, and and actually, uh, there have been seven recorded deaths. In Black Friday, I mean that's, that's enough, too many, though, isn't it? Well, you say it's enough, but somebody I read this article about people dying while they're playing video games, and and there are you know obviously some, and they get very publicised. And then yeah. somebody else said, "Well, how many people have died while playing chess? How many people have died while reading oh, totally. a book? Yeah, and, Any and, activity that lots of human yeah. beings do, loads of people have died. And somebody it. dies, and somebody's born at Glastonbury every year because exactly. you get that number of people together. That's exactly. that's what happens. Black Friday is a thing that millions of people partake in every year. Um, and seven of them have died. And it's like, I can't really get worried by that. That no. seems to me like a normal <laughs> I number. I think it's a non-story, isn't it? Um, but yeah. then, so to get back to the story, yes. how do people feel about this? Because, I mean, my, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table. We as a publisher make a lot of money out of Black Friday, so it's a big, important part of our consumer business. But it feels so distasteful. And, and it, it exists, in my view, as a means of driving people to buy stuff they don't need. But how, do, how does everybody else feel about this festival of consumerism? I don't, I don't really partake, um, but I, I normally buy flights on Black Friday. I've done that mm. a few times where I'll get in on the Ryanair deals and book myself sort of a, a trip early early next year for pennies. Um, so I don't mind doing that. But the idea of actually going to Asda to buy a big screen TV on Black <laughs> Friday fills me with so much existential well, dread doing it well, they didn't do it last year because of because of the, the crazy bad stuff. It, it doesn't really work as an in-store thing if you ask me no and it, this was this was interesting because i was at a talk yesterday with um the head of data at retail week and he was saying that like in when the black friday became a thing here all the retailers sort of 
saw what was happening and responded by investing millions and millions into their stores to try and make them like Black Friday ready. And then one year later, yeah. it went online. Totally. Yeah. So they like completely misinvested their, their money. Um, they should have invested it on online sort of robustness. And that's why you see all of these sites going down on Black mm. Friday because they can't deal with the demand. But in, in the U, in the US, <coughs> excuse me, in the US, there's a pretty physical presence on Black Friday, though, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so why why do we think it's not transferred over to the UK? I think that's so much? for me is... because it's a new thing, though, and it's a new thing that's that's really occurred to people in the UK post internet shopping becoming yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. It's associated in people's heads in this country as that's the day when you get the great deals online. Mm-hmm. Whereas in America, yeah, there's this cultural legacy of that's the day after Thanksgiving you've had your turkey, you, you get out of the house. A little bit like the Boxing Day sales like in the UK. Day, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I'm interested to hear your, your sort of take on this though, Tamlin, this absolute festival of obscene capitalist consumption. <laughs> Um, I, anyone who doesn't know, Tamlin is a card-carrying member of the extreme left wing. <laughs> Sharing his thoughts on the Tech Weekly podcast. <laughs> what's going on in the Labour Party and so on. Um, no, I, you know, I, I think that there's a tendency to knock people for uh, shopping. And I think it's, it's kind of gross because for, for a lot of people, especially in the States, this is like one of the days of the year where extremely expensive items that are available to more wealthy people are now available to them so you know there's you see a lot of posts on twitter like oh my god all this violence and black friday or whatever and like i think that's more of a gross spectacle than people buying stuff because it's like these are people who potentially wouldn't usually be able to afford it at all yeah fair point so for those people david do you have any tips as as to how to grab a bargain this Black Friday. <clears throat> well, the most Sharp elbows. The, mo- <laughs> yeah. the most important thing, obviously, is to come to PC Advisor and Macworld. PC Advisor uh, and Macworld UK. Forward slash deals. Yeah, get the best deals. Um, yeah, you have to be careful because, you know, I just said it's an obscene celebration of <laughs> consumer capitalism. It is. <laughs> it is kind of designed to uh, induce a uh, an irrational response. Um, that's what companies aren't calculating on um so you just need to think is this something that i'm gonna buy is this something i was gonna buy anyway yeah and if it was if it's something you need like i personally desperately need a large television um then now is a great time to get a good deal on it but what you can't do is start just browsing and thinking well you know that would be quite nice yeah. i suppose and then you get pulled in i nearly did it myself because i'm gonna get my niece on behalf of her parents the kindle fire hd tablet and the kindle fire tablet is massively it's like 20 quid and I was like oh, I could get I could get two of those but that wouldn't be as good as getting her one of the things she actually wants <laughs> yeah no exactly um, and it, it's just interesting how that psychology works isn't it yeah. because you have to, you have to be aware of that aspect of it uh, be aware that um some people are a bit uh, sneaky about the the marked reduction so it's not unknown for people to put up prices early in November so that they can then say 50% off and it's actually not anywhere near that good a deal um, the deals will continue. Um, many of them have been going on since uh, early to mid-November. Yeah, well, Amazon's in particular because they don't have the logistics to deliver the volume of sale more than the volume of sales they made last year on Black Friday. Um, so they've actually spread the sale over November. I mean, that's their kind of official story. I'm sure it's also because they think it will drive more sales. But their Black Friday sale started at the beginning of November, and honestly, I'd be surprised if it finishes before January. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing to remember is um, check 
you know, look for reviews or whatever of the product because a lot of companies try and get rid of older stock. Um, check it's the latest version, check it's a good product rather than something they're just trying to get rid of. Yeah. But there are some really good deals out there, so I don't want to just pour. Yeah, no, completely. And I suppose the other thing, without being totally craven in, in, our, in promoting our own sites, there are other sites out there doing the same thing, but, but it is worth looking for, you know, we're talking about technology, there are other areas, but there will be editorial sites where people are, as we are, curating good deals rather than just turning on a fire hose of all the deals that are out there. It is worth doing that little bit of research to see where the yeah, good Yeah, you don't want to be rushed, that's the thing, because part of the psychology that we're talking about is that you will feel like, I have to do it now or I'll miss the deal. Yeah. It's better to miss the deal than to get a bad deal because you didn't put the time in to check, you know, the small print and so on. Wise words, David Price. Let's go around the room. Bye, 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 or why, 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 <laughs> David Price. Uh, oh, that's tough. Um, I'll give you the opportunity to go buy why buy or something like that if you want. Uh, what why buy what buy? No, it's <laughs> too difficult. I'll Tell say buy, I'll say buy that buy. Tell me, what are your thoughts? Uh, why why buy? I think oh, I, will. <laughs> I think I will get a TV. So. <laughs> Scott's carry. Uh, why 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 why? We'll take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Facebook. Don't push too hard, your dreams are China in your hand. Join in. Don't wish too hard because they may come true and you can't handle... Just me. Uh, Scott Carey, why is Facebook uh, spreading bull in a China shop? Oh, I, I see. Uh, <laughs> so... There's a lot to unpack with Facebook at the moment because it, it, post-election, there's been a lot of hand-wringing amongst the media and Facebook itself in sort of the, the role it played in disseminating sort of fake news um, across uh, across audiences. Um, and they've been trying to respond to that. Um, but what now has come out is that in their attempts to re-enter the Chinese market, they've been building an internal tool which will um, censor or suppress news stories that aren't palatable to the Chinese government. Uh, this has caused some strife internally, apparently, um, where uh, there are rumours that some leading members of staff have um, threatened to quit or have quit the company because it basically defeats the basic purpose of what Facebook is, which is meant to be an open place. Well. That was the point I really wanted to get into because I think a lot of this. I agree with you. I, I think like when I first heard this story that in order to break into China, Facebook was developing tech that would make content which is created by its users mm-hmm. in principle palatable to the Chinese government. I was I, it made me feel awful. I thought it's a terrible thing. But then, I, but then I think it depends on what you think Facebook is. Mm. If Facebook's a media company, well, all media companies, including our own. Uh, you know, that publish in China, change the material when they yeah. publish in China, and they do so because they want to be in favour of the Chinese government, which is, restricts access to the market, and they want to make money because China's a huge market. Yeah. And but this it's is... that emotional, what is, is Facebook a thing we make as social media users, or is it a media company? Yeah, I think this is definitely the problem that Facebook is facing at the moment, and it's probably why it's been in the news so much, is because there there seems to be an identity crisis going on, and, and you can see that by the split internally that, that seems to be happening. Zuckerberg very clearly sees it more like you do as, as a media company that relies on ads um, to, to make money, and that entering the Chinese market is the, is the 
proper play to make as a business. But there seems to be other people within the company that are holding on to their original uh, goal or aim or, you know, highfalutin Silicon Valley uh, rhetoric that they are, you know, an open place to share ideas yeah. and, and to think, censor that would be really unpalatable. I think there's a moral and ethical question here anyway because of that, because 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 the way it sets up to the user is as that kind of open platform. Yeah. Um, do you, can it work technically? I mean, do we know if this, do we know exactly what this soft, because it's quite a thin news story. Maybe, it, is, it? it is quite a thin news story. I mean, by the sounds of it, it it's, it's going to be some form of algorithm um, that the sort that underpins their entire news feed um, that will just suppress certain words or phrases um, from people's news feeds in a geography. I don't think it's a, it would be an overly difficult thing for Facebook to develop that. Um, well, I guess they're doing it to an extent anyway at the minute in order to amplify certain messages yeah. in order to deliver more ads. Yeah, and also, you know, and they're also talking, well, Zuckerberg's been talking about this sort of vague news strategy to um, get fake news off the site, and that that's sort of a similar problem in its own way in the way that they need to develop technology that can detect and suppress news stories that aren't based on fact. Um, it, that guy's so conflicted because yes. because on the one hand, he's very skillfully either surrounded himself with people who've helped him do this or done it himself, built up this huge commercially successful social media product, which so few people have managed mm-hmm. to do. Doesn't pay any tax, but wants to be a flam- seen as a philanthropist. Yeah. Um, you know, is ruthless about... Get, you know, moving people out and putting algorithms in place if it helps them to drive a more successful business, but wants to be seen to somehow be a force for good in the world. I think what's interesting about this story is as soon as you um, throw China into the mix, there's a tendency for a lot of uh, media companies in the West to get completely hysterical about mm. it. Like China's this, you know, it's a really easy boogeyman to have and it's this, you know, scary, towering thing. But Facebook itself has been running like all these bizarre experiments on its users anyway like trying to determine their moods by Mm. showing them certain things in their feeds and then measuring their response to that and you know really questionable ethically experiments so you know facebook wields a lot of power and it's not particularly surprising that it's considering this yeah yeah completely there is there's a conflict though as well between particular people that will say it's terrible that they're censoring news in china but those same people i think in many cases would say but they should crack down on fake news yeah yeah which is actually a very similar thing it just depends on your viewpoint yeah exactly chinese authorities presumably would say that these are you know um insurrectionary views these are inaccurate views whatever and we would say the same things about these you know inaccurate articles about denzel washington endorsing donald trump um (laughs) but in the same you know in both cases what you're doing is you're taking a messy user-created and often inaccurate feed of content and you're choosing to curate it in some al- algorithmic way. Yeah. Um, and it's the same solution, but, you know, opposite well, sides of the you, political spectrum. You can you can go the other way as well. I mean, Google's got immense power as a, a media company and you, what you see with Google News is a kind of feedback loop of certain stories that Google decides algorithmically you want to see. And yeah. that's quite... a it's not, you know, outright censorship, but in a way it kind of is because you're limited to what you Yeah, the, see. the internet, the, the early internet, the idea was that because you could access everything from everywhere, it would make people's tastes more Catholic, small c. And in fact, it's done quite the opposite because what people do is, and it's, you know, we've seen it with book purchases or music purchases. You like this, so you probably like this. People, in fact, 
all of us included, follow uh, the echo chamber route, if you like, that we tend to read, consume more things that subscribe to our worldview than the opposite because we're not. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Not in the old days you'd read a newspaper, and even if it was a newspaper which supported your political views, it would be a curated book of stuff. Uh, which might include stuff you wouldn't otherwise read. Speaking of uh, messy and user-generated, um, the British government has done something recently, uh, or has at least suggested that it might do something, around um, what they're describing as conventional sex acts in pornography. Oh, I thought we weren't going to go there. Yeah, I think we uh, should, because I think it relates, actually, to what Scott yeah. was saying, or what you were saying, David, sorry, about you know one person's fake news is another person's um, news. <laughs> so, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm probably going to be end up, end up being quite woolly on the details, but they've said that they're going to um, crack down on non-conventional pornography, um, that it's going to become illegal uh, to view those things. And, of course, the important thing there is whose convention it is, who's, yeah. whose definition well, is yeah, is it is. Yeah, is it, is it, you, is you it can, human you can, that, you can look that up online as well. They've, Any, they've got a list, yeah. Oh, have they? Sure yeah, too. and it's, it's also... Um, I think the idea is if it couldn't be rated by the BBFC, the British Film Classification okay. Board, then it's illegal. That's, I mean, the legality of that's interesting, but the BBFC actually does take a fairly mature approach. I mean, basically, as long as no one gets hurt, mm. it, it's it's they will sense they will classify it. Sorry, 
and it used to be the censor, and now actually they're. A f- it's a, it's an odd role to play as a film classification agency, but I'm fairly pro them because they team they seem to be fairly sensible about these things. Whether that means you should use that to apply legality or illegality to online content, probably unenforceable. Anyway. Yeah, well, of course it is. Yeah. yeah, as everything that every every Western government suggests about the internet is, it's completely unenforceable. <laughs> but it plays well to the people who don't understand and the reactionaries to say, you know, if you're struggling as a government, it always plays well to say. Let's ban something bad. Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, yeah. I, I, obviously, what's been done in this case is that um, they've taken something which is unpopular, which is any non-conventional sexual activity, and using it as a standard bearer for censorship. Yeah, it's in, not. In I mean, it's not even that it's unpopular. It's just that it has to be seen to be unpopular. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that it's difficult for people to get behind. Yeah, uh, yeah. but sure, but surely, <laughs> surely, in like in practical terms, it would be like trying to ban football streams. It's just basically impossible because as soon no, as you everybody... shut one down, another one pops up. <laughs> right, let's move back to Facebook briefly. Then, so do we feel that our response to Facebook is because? Facebook uh, sets itself up as one thing and the fact that it is a ruthlessly commercial business feels somehow dishonest or do we feel that this kind of censorship in going into China is de facto wrong? It feels de facto wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could really uh, justify that. But the, I mean, the suppression of the media in China is, is so sort of... And I, I'm conscious of trying not to turn them into, into a, a boogeyman, as you said, Tamlin. But, Sorry, um, bogeyman, right? I, I thought it was bogeyman. Boogeyman. Boogeyman is someone who dances. <laughs> I like Boogeyman. You don't have to worry about the Boogeyman, he's cool. Yeah. Blame, blame it on the Boogeyman. But he gets into some fairly unconventional sex acts. <laughs> you know, the unconventional sex acts included female ejaculation. And, what? And I think included menstruation. It, it, they couldn't really make it any clearer that what they don't want people to be looking at is anything that is um, feminist or female empowering. Or, you know, in any way, not what is absolutely standard nuts reader yeah. um, pornography. Anyway. Missionary in the dark. Kind of. Yeah, with, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, really enjoying walking through this minefield with you, David. It's it been, is difficult, it's been isn't fun. it? Not trying to keep it broadcast. But what were we talking about before we talked about pornography? Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's so it's such a fundamental right to deny people, it, you know, the, um, the free expression of uh, political opinion. And the the ability to find out what is going on in the world is it's I mean it's so fundamentally against you know prevent, prevents people ever um, forming any kind of coherent opposition to the government because they don't they aren't they aren't able to find out what the government is doing and they aren't able to find out that what the government is telling them is wrong. And, and but isn't, just... isn't that a phenomenon? You know, gosh, which dictionary was it? Uh, one of the dictionaries just named their word. Or phrase of the year as post-truth politics. Post-truth, yeah. Which I'm Oxford. Oxford. Colin Oxford. said Bre- uh, Brexit. I think. Right. <laughs> um, Two lovely I'm, words. I'm, I'm not sure how much I get behind the theory of post-truth politics, but it's certainly a more sophisticated uh, means of suppressing information. Yeah. The idea that you just you know flood sites like Facebook probably with so much garbage that you can't really determine what is true and what isn't. Yeah. And I think undermine the authority yeah. of existing media. Outlet. Yeah. I think to to try and put a bow on it, like Facebook's realising quite quickly that it can't be all things to all people, um, especially when it comes across geographies where you've got difficulties like this. Um, You know, it is a social network. It's, you know, billions of of users and people are messy and complicated and things are difficult to sort of get right for everyone. So they're they're realising very quickly that they, they have to 
try and adapt as they go along and it's it's not going um particularly well for them but you know zuckerberg's going to still try and get into china because i don't see why he couldn't just say we're not going to go into china until you allow us to be uncensored i just i don't see because he's, he's he wants to be a philanthropist and he's got a lot of money and what what what's stopping him from just saying and this is probably spectacularly not naive but you know i imagine if i was is he the richest shareholders oh yeah i imagine it's but it's board pressure yeah, yeah I guess. they've got to keep expanding because they're a capitalist company with shareholders. Yeah, and one and of their board members is Peter Thiel, so you know. And he wants to be, he wants to be seen <laughs> as like to be no, not a big fan. philanthropist, but he doesn't pay tax, so I think he should probably do that as well. Knackers to him. Do you remember um, when? So very well Tim choosing Cook... what you put money into. How oh, about yeah. subscribing to the society from which you make money? That is interesting that he, he's willing to. Or Facebook as a company is willing to compromise and accommodate the Chinese government in censorship, but yeah. also is going through all these machinations to avoid yeah. paying their tax everywhere. It is interesting. Let's ask the question. Let's put a bow on it and get behind this. <laughs> we'll <laughs> sing from the same messy and complicated humans that we are. Uh, let's go around the room. Face crooks or making face megabucks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> David Price. Face crooks feels like a, a libelous thing to say. Yeah, it'll be all right. No one listens. Face crooks. <laughs> face crooks. Tamlin McGee. Uh, face crooks. Scott Carey. Face crooks, because I can't remember the other one. Uh, making face megabucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are making Which face Which does sound megabucks. like unconventional porn. <laughs> um, we'll take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the autumn statements. All the leaves are brown, all the leaves are brown, and the sky is grey, and the sky is grey. I went for a walk, don't know the rest of it, which means it must be awesome statement time, or awesome statement time. (laughs) (laughs) Tamlin McGee, what is it and what's in it for tech? So... Every year in autumn, surprise, surprise, there is a statement from the Chancellor of the Exchequer, who happens to be Philip Hammond, who took over recently from George Osborne under Theresa May's cabinet of the Conservative government, uh, where they kind of outline their fiscal policy in various areas like tax rates, um, housing, and so on. Uh, what's been interesting about the financial statements over the past couple of years is that they're really, the Conservative government is really, really keen to appear to be very progressive on technology and that didn't change here but um in my opinion and some of the reactions that i've i've seen and the people i've talked to it's a it's a little bit he's kind of beating his philip hammond's kind of beating his chest about how progressive they are on technology yeah. but in practice it's probably not that's kind of i mean they, uh, without wishing to go too much into the broad politics of it that's kind of where they are at the minute though isn't it they they're a, slight, they're a weird government because they haven't been elected, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but post-Brexit, they were kind of the only option. Um, and so they desperately want to appear for presentational reasons to be progressive. Mm-hmm. But actually, they're not very progressive at all. And so, yeah, so and tech is one of those things where I think politicians think, yeah, if we look like we're positive about mm-hmm. new stuff, the uh, Jeremy Corbyn had a statement out about the... Uh, uh, Cyber fourth, physical system. fourth industrial revolution. Oh day, god, that's amazing. Two years hard. later, he's got that term. Uh, so, so they're all trying to sort of append themselves to sexy new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of it makes sense. It's a it's an easy one to impress people who don't really know about exactly. tech or don't yeah. write about it. By so, so, so there were some things in in it. So there was there was we're going the UK is going to create a startup incubator. That's right. There will be four hundred million pounds put into that to um, 
help grow startups. The the Will state it be like the incubator in Silicon Valley. A little bit like that. Um, do we need another incubator? No, no, I don't think we do. No. We don't need another. <laughs> I mean, the the way the way the way Philip Hammond presented it was kind of this appeal to Britishness and growing companies on British soil. But you know, it's it's kind of a, a don't a, knock it, Tamlin, because as discussed yesterday, we could easily take the UK Tech Weekly podcast to the British government incubator and get some nice fat salaries. For <laughs> well, let's hope so. Um, uh, as well as that, he committed to a bunch of 5G coverage, which is 4G but one faster. Well, there isn't um, even a standard for 5G, is there? No, there isn't. It's not realistic to deliver in the slightest until 2020, at the very minimum, according to um, some telco analysts that I've seen comment on it. So it's unambitious. He should have gone for 6G. Yeah, 3000G, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one, one strange thing he announced was something called the National Productivity, Productivity Investment Fund. And no one really knows what that means, but it does sound quite sinister. Like anyone who's been paying attention in politics or even just, you know, their daily life of work can kind of see the uh, the parallels between uh, productivity and precarity. It tends to be squeezing more work out of you. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a workhouse. Yes, it does. And considering their track record, I don't know what it's going to mean. It's been presented as a... Um, way to foment a high-skill, high-wage and high-living standard economy. But again, that's kind of at odds with the the country's immigration strategy at the moment, which is, you know, limiting the entry of foreign students into universities here and, you know, being horribly racist in general. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we laughing at that? Yeah, Yeah. why are we laughing at that? (laughs) The the only thing um, about productivity um, is that I've I've been to enough conferences over the last year to see this slide that keeps getting put up where basically UK productivity is flatlined Mm. since the... um, since the financial crash. So I think they're just any attempt to try and ease that concern mm. in industry. And and as you say, it's a completely vague policy, but they're just trying to be shown to be... Absolutely. I think what's what's really interesting about that, Scott, is that um, in this country, despite, you know, the statements and being positive about tech being progressive and so on, um, and we you might have just knocked the idea of the fourth industrial revolution just now in the intro... But countries like Germany that do have good industrial strategy and productivity are taking it very, very seriously. And oh, all... I wasn't knocking it, just to be clear. I was knocking the fact that... The statement was horrible. I haven't read that it. It's a, that it's a well, it was, it, and it just felt, it felt like the bol- Jeremy Corbyn hadn't, didn't get it. There's no way he wrote that statement. It was a, fra- it was a phrase he'd heard. I, I, but, I, I think we've talked about this before, but I think that we are in a time of serious industrial revolution and... and Embracing it for the for the good of the majority of mm-hmm. citizens or subjects in our case, uh, it, it is critical for government. But there, there isn't a government. Maybe the German government is, but I haven't seen. There's uh, there's, there's some signs that you know it's starting to be talked about. There was a science committee report the other week about AI and the role that can com- right. that can play. But I, I think that um, pretty much most governments are failing to see just how. God, I hate the word disruptive, but genuinely disruptive uh, that technologies like AI and the Internet of Things and automation are going to be. And so just saying, you know, 5G and Wi-Fi is all all well and good. Because governments are actually becoming redundant in some ways. I mean, we talked about Zuckerberg and Facebook previously, Mm -hmm. and I, I detest this idea of I'm going to be a philanthropist and I'm going to step out of the tax system. But a lot of them, these super wealthy people, will do that and they're kind of power sources that are separate to government and if you think about philip hammond in the treasury 
he actually doesn't need to send an email. He probably will choose not to send an email because it's he doesn't want mm-hmm. a record of what he's done. He's got uh, Treasury civil service officials working for him. Civil service is not a progressive, tech-savvy mm-hmm. organisation. Look at how GDS has been smashed around so many times mm-hmm. over the years. So it's not surprising that career politicians haven't got a clue what's happening in terms of tech and industry and how that impacts on people's real lives from skilled workers, right? You know, skilled workers who are becoming redundant, literally, uh, right down to people who just want to have a job mm-hmm. and see industry change really fast and leave them behind. I think there were there were two things from the statement that have kind of gone under the radar. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he seemed to allude to a different way of um, paying tax if you're self-employed, and that could have an effect on both IT contractors mm-hmm. and also gig economy workers yeah. who are... Uber drivers. Uber drivers, delivery drivers, yeah. all these, like service jobs that are you know it's piecework um well one, one other thing he said that i thought was quite interesting was that he name checked uh softbank which is the japanese conglomerate that bought arm mm. the british chip design company you know all of our phones probably have an arm design chip in them uh and he he said that was like a british success story but that seemed to be quite at odds with the message of, you know, keeping British IP yeah. within the country. It's yeah. like, um, yeah. it was a British success it, story. It was an incredible success story. It was heavily story. dominated by the US office anyway for the mm. final few years. He, yeah, bought it, by SoftBank. There's been some bizarre sort of cheerleading of that deal going on from government ever since um, sort of Hammond came into the role. And and today, actually, there's there was news that um, the Scottish um, tech company Skyscanner Oh yeah, um, bought, just they? sold um, to China for 1.4 billion. So they actually were a unicorn. They had a unicorn exit because um, they were valued at over a billion. Speaking of non-conventional porn, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're, 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 the unicorn exit is my porn name. Brilliant, well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, um, that's another one. That's another example of a uh, British tech success story um, being bought overseas, um, probably at like a discounted rate post Brexit. I, mean, I, I don't. I don't personally really subscribe to this whole, you know, British company success story things. But it just it, it does it does seem at odds with what he was trying to say. He did mention tax a little bit as well, and he said that, um, you know, there's a perception amongst the public that uh, everything's in favour favour of large multinational corporations, and that perception is probably correct. Mm. Uh, he said that the government will make sure that any company which makes a substantial profit in the UK will pay its share of the tax. But I thought it was interesting wor- wording. Yeah, of yeah course. that's Because again, Facebook, not to pick on Facebook, but apparently makes a big loss in the UK. Yeah. Clearly it doesn't, you know, but it, but that, that's how its money is moved. Vodafone. Google, yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like they're still going to find a way to wriggle out of that and just mm-hmm. siphon it into Dublin or whatever um, he, he and did, avoid it. He did address that briefly, but, you know, how much faith do you have in a new Conservative government? Or... I know, it'll be really interesting to see if, if they actually try and clamp down on this. And, and on the campaign trail, Donald Trump said he's going to clamp down on um, the likes of Amazon uh, not paying tax. So it'll be interesting to see how both those... Famous non-taxpayer Donald Trump. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And him and Bezos have a long-running feud for some reason. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually um, comes through with that. It'd be interesting to see if he comes through with anything he said. Yeah, he said a lot of things. <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to. No. Uh, just, just quickly, one last thing from the, the statement that I missed. Uh, there was £2 billion pledged for 
R&D investment for new technologies by 2021. And that sounds like an impressive figure, but you have to think in, you know, after the Brexit vote, how's that going to compare to uh, academics and research organisations yeah. that were able previously just to, not simply, but, but to get EU, to get EU grants. Yeah, yeah it's going to, I feel the 2 billion mark is going to pale in significance compared to what would have been available previously. And yeah. it might not be new money either no. um, for, for that reason. So let's go around the room then. The autumn statement, uh, season of mists and mellow fruitfulness or greasy and pissed with yellow spitefulness. <laughs> David Price. Um, uh, the season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. Huh. I don't know if that, I mean, I, I don't really understand politics. It just sounds nice though. It's just a nice thing to say. Tell yeah. me McGee. Um, I will take the opportunity to say greasy piss on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Carey. Uh, seasons of mist oh. and mellow fruitfulness. Thank you all, and thank you for listening to this edition of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Do get in touch to let us know your thoughts and opinions and to shake us down for cash. You can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk. We will be back next week with more informed and uninformed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. Until then, do find us on Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all of those other places. And uh, give, us, give us a nice review. Give us some stars. Tell people that we're great. Maybe grab one of your friends. Phones, download our podcast, force them to subscribe. Um, until then, team, say goodbye. Cheers, guys. Goodbye. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.